And now it's way more diverse, which I love. And it's so beautiful. And there's like groups that are performing that are all black women or all Latina women. Or it's like so many brown, like colorful faces in the scene. And yeah, I think I think there's like more space being made for that. And I'm glad that times are changing in a, in a way that's trending upward. The thing about improv, in my opinion, it's extremely difficult. And when I meet someone who can do it at a high level, I'm always impressed. This is why I think you guys will enjoy this edition of Naked with Sashir Sameda. State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future building off the hard work our parents have done before us. We all are looking to create generational wealth so that our families and generations behind us have a better starting point than we did. That begins with financial literacy. State Farm helps fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of Black and Brown youth. To date, participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships offers as a direct result of contributions from State Farm. At Eating Wallbrook, we hear inspiring rags to riches stories on each episode from our guests, but with State Farm, you can begin to write your own success story. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful VC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! <laughs> and outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21-plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. It's the greatest in sports and entertainment connecting with us. Every champion and carry champions to be a champion. Got a champion and carry champion. Hey girl, you did it. Got a champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment connecting with us. Today on The Naked Podcast, we have comedian, actress, and writer, Sashir Zameda. You may know her from her work on Saturday Night Live or for one of her roles on ABC's Home Economics or Hulu's Woke. Sashir is releasing a brand new special entitled The First Woman on August 15th. And this is the first special that she has produced. She has total control um, and she talks about it here today on the podcast. You're going to hear about her background, how she developed her comedy chops, and so much more. 
Here is Shashir Zameda and her naked truth. I am excited to have you here. I think that is interesting when I get the opportunity to interview uh, comedians, people who are writers. I've been able to, uh, throughout the years in the business, uh, develop friendships with different folks. I want to know what inspired you to say, this is what I want to do. Was there a moment in your childhood where you watched a certain show or were a fan of a certain person and said, this is the career I would like to pursue? Oh, I was a fan of so much comedy. I watched Mad TV, SNL, Whose Line Is It Anyway, uh, Late Night with Conan O'Brien. I just watched so much comedy. And the person who probably inspired me the most was Deborah Wilson from Mad TV. She's hilarious. And her impressions were so spot on. She's a killer Whitney Houston. Um, but seeing a black woman doing sketch, I was like, ooh, that's a possibility. I didn't know. and. Even though I thought all those people were hilarious, I didn't know how they got jobs doing that. I didn't really think of it like a an actual possibility for me. But then when I got to college, I started doing improv and then started doing improv in New York and started realizing, oh, the people that I admire are taking the same route that I'm just taking because I wanted to take it because I was having fun doing this thing. And the more I performed improv and sketch, the more people took notice of me. And then I started booking commercials and booking TV gigs here and there. And yeah, kind of tumbled into a full career. When you say you started taking improv in college, I often wonder what that means for the layman. Mm. Improv would be improvisational classes, but how does one stumble upon that in school and say, oh, I want to do that. Yeah. And I want to learn how to improv. I, I, it, it's so foreign. It's a foreign concept to me. Yeah. Um, it's, well, there's many different ways to get into it. Actually, the first time I saw improv was in middle school. There was a uh, improv team in downtown Indianapolis called Comedy Sports, and they do a lot of short form games where they'll ask the audience for a suggestion and then just like come up with things off the dome and like play these games. And I was like, oh, my God, like this is magic. I can't believe they're just like making it up on the spot. And I actually did audition for my high school improv team and made it. But then I quit because it was the same. The rehearsals were the same time as my show choir <laughs> rehearsals and <laughs> show choir was my life <laughs> at the time. I couldn't give that up. And then when I got to college, there was an improv team. And one of my musical directors was like, oh, you should audition for the improv team because you're so funny. And I auditioned. I did not get cast, but then I created my own improv team that's still going at the college. And now there's two or at least two. I don't know how many there are now. Um, and then when I moved to New York, there's a school for it. There's a school called the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater, and they have classes in improv, sketch, um, character classes, writing classes. And I found kind of a community of people that I liked there. and stayed there for years and, and got a lot of opportunities from it. UCB, uh, Upright Citizens Brigade, has a lot of famous alumni, no? Uh, from my understanding, some of the people who are great actors, I know, are were a part of said entity. Um, is it hard to get into or is it something where you have to audition or if you have the money, you can do it? If you have the money, anyone can take a class. Um, <laughs> they're like, we'll accept anyone's money, please. Um, 
but you do have to uh, green works here yes exactly (laughs) well the color we like is green uh but they do accept anybody uh and then to get on stage there to like perform regularly you do have to audition for that and i auditioned for a house team like when i first got there and i didn't make it and then i guess kind of the same thing as i did in college i just created my own team with nicole Byer and keisha zoller who are two hilarious black women and we kind of like made waves in the New York improv scene when we were coming up. And then eventually the theater thought we were great. They agreed with the audience and they thought we were great. And then they ended up giving us our own night at the theater, which was actually better than auditioning and just making a team. We like created our own thing and they were like, oh, this is undeniable. You have to perform here. That's a wonderful feeling to be recognized for what you love to do. I wonder, um, you mentioned being one of a few black women in improv and you saw a black woman in improv growing up and you once you see it, you can believe it and you know you can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, is that a rare space for black women, improvisation? It definitely was when I was coming up. I feel like I saw like maybe two black people on that stage, at the UCB stage when I was starting. And now it's way more diverse, which I love and it's so beautiful. And there's like, groups that are performing that are all black women or all Latina women or it's like so many brown like colorful faces in the scene and um yeah I think I think there's like more space being made for that um and I'm glad that times are changing in a, in a way that's trending upward what is it I think what I, I guess what I'm asking is what is it about that, especially when you were coming up that you felt like you couldn't see a lot of us like when you were mm. when you're like, oh, black women doing improv is is that a space that is is um avoided, not welcoming, uh, unfamiliar, not traditional? What is it about that space that made it rare at the time? I think because for black women, yeah, I think because uh, it was so white and so male. The, a lot of the humor and references that were being made on stage were that were very white and male. Like I, I've definitely been with black women at improv shows where they're like, I don't get it. <laughs> like, like, I don't understand. Do I, have to watch, <laughs> do I have to watch Star Wars to understand all these jokes? Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. 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 So it's like, it doesn't, mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like a place where you can like get entry into because you're like, I don't even know if we have a, basic understanding of things because when you're doing improv all you're doing is pulling from your life like you're pulling from your past your experiences your your lived life and like trying to make humor out of it and if you're you're a person who has a life that's maybe very different from another person you're on stage with you might have a hard time trying to match that humor it's not impossible um and like the beauty of improv is that you can smash all your differences together and make something really really cool um, it's just like a roll of the dice, but I think I, I can see why a lot of black people or other people of color would go to a show and be like, this is not for me. <laughs> this is not my environment. You can see. Oh, that's good. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. That's fair. That's fair. Okay. So then, then once you, once you are undeniable, your words, and I love that when people are recognizing the talent that you're creating and you're allowing yourself, um, I, I really truly honor anybody who's passionate about something because believe it or not, it's hard to find your passion. Yeah. Most people don't know what that is. And you are fortunate and so, so blessed to know what you do and why you were placed on this place called planet earth. 
Do you now know, as you look at your career, and I'm going to go over some of the highlights that I know of, do you now know that this was what you have been meant and designed to do? Beginning with being on SNL, you made history. Um, There were headlines and people said, wow, this is the first regular that is a Black woman. And I've talked to Sam Jay. I've talked to Jay Farrell. I've talked to a lot of uh, Black alumni, except for Eddie Murphy. Um, But uh, Chris Rock, right? Those only two I haven't talked to. No kidding. Uh, But they all talk about that experience and it's how tough it is to do that in that particular environment. Mm -hmm. Uh, Describe your your journey while there and with all this pressure or perhaps self-imposed pressure of being the first. Um, well, I actually wasn't the first. I was the fifth. There was uh, uh, Yvonne Hudson, Demetra Vance. Um, what did I read? What did I read that said you were the first to do though? Um, was you weren't a first regular? Mm, I think. I think some headlines are saying I like I, I was that. the first since Maya Rudolph or something. I'm not sure. They probably oh, okay, like, cobbled okay, okay. some words together because okay. people love having. The first in their headline. <laughs> they love saying first. Exactly. <laughs> so they, she's the okay. first natural one, haired. How about, <laughs> how about one of the first? I was how, one, how of the first. one of the first. How about, how about that? One of the first. That'll be better then. Correction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm proud to be one of the first, but also definitely don't want to overlook the other women who've come before me. The greats. The, greats. the other one who came. Yeah. yeah, of course. Of course. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then, and it was... I was auditioning for the show before that point. Um, like, I think my first audition was maybe 2011 or 12. And then into 2013 is when the media started uh, shaming the show for their lack of diversity. And the show wanted to have a very public response to that. And so they kind of put it together a audition with black female comics and also it was like I just, it was kind of just cool to also see all the other women who were auditioning because I was like damn look at us like like look at all of us killing it like that we all are here we're all at this level and all hilarious and um mm-hmm. yeah it, that that was nice to see and then I got hired and Leslie got hired Leslie Jones got hired as a writer that year and then the I next remember. year yeah got cast as a cast member and yeah, I was just glad to be on the show. It was a strange way to get guests on the show, but I was definitely glad to be there. That was like my dream since I was a child. And um, yeah, it, and just being on the show also was like true boot camp. Like I, everyone has to write. I don't think everyone knows that. Like if you're a performer on the show, you also have to write for yourself. And I feel like by the time I left, like I was a better writer. I was a better collaborator. I was a better communicator of my ideas I could advocate for myself like it really trains you for anything and I left feeling like I could do anything and and anything else I've done has been like cake (laughs) in comparison to that show how much pressure how much pressure is that meaning like you have to write for yourself so you have to sit at a table I I don't know you just hear the stories and you read the story. You sit at a table and you have to present what you think is funny and and oftentimes maybe oh I remember listening to an interview and I don't know if Janet was guest hosting, but it's like, impress me, make me laugh. Mm-hmm. If you want, if, if this, to, for this sketch to go through, how much pressure is that to sit there and be like, all right, make me laugh. 
you know, in a room full of people who who are trained to be like, I don't know if that's funny, you know, yeah. or really that's the, the 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 hazing of it all when you're learning is, did you feel like, do you have knots in your stomach or were you excited for the moment when it came your turn or were you like, here we go, I gotta, I gotta make this work? I mean, I was excited and I, and I also think there's like, everyone had a low level of anxiety <laughs> just from being there, but I don't think the show intentionally was trying to like, haze anyone or like I don't know make anyone pay their dues everyone wants you there like they hire you they hire you because they think you're funny and they want you to do a good job so I I I did feel like generally people want you to win there are some weeks where you're not going to Mm -hmm. and there's many factors as to why you wouldn't but and I don't even know half of them but they do want you to do good and they do want you there for a reason they're not there to just like torture you (laughs) um so I guess yeah, well, that's good to know. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, torturing is not our thing. No. Okay, so so for four years, this is your your life experience. Um, did your family and friends think you were really rich, and did they ask you for like five dollars? Um, <laughs> do were people like, "Hey, you got to get dinner now. You're on a Saturday Night Live. We don't have any money." Tell me that because you, it's it literally is a, a a role that is coveted by so many, mm-hmm. especially in the profession that you get. So people are thinking she's made it. She's rich. At oh, least that's yeah. what I'm thinking. Oh yeah, <laughs> my family definitely thought I made it, and definitely asked for way more than five dollars. <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> And what they don't know is that SNL is one of the worst paying jobs. It just is. And <laughs> I was like, I made it. Question mark. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm on TV, <laughs> but it doesn't feel like it. Uh, Clearly that means I'm rich. I'm on TV. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. Don't you know we're all rich? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think they were like, it's an honor. So, uh, you know, I'm rich with honor, not so much checks. <laughs> hey, everybody, we got to pay some bills. You know, it's often that we have to do this on this show. So you can fast forward and press that little 15 second button until it's done. Uh, thank you for listening. And we'll be right back. Every champion and carry champions to be a champion, a champion and carry champion and carry champion, a champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment connected with State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future, building off the hard work our parents have done before us. We all are looking to create generational wealth so that our families and generations behind us have a better starting point than we did. That begins with financial literacy. State Farm helps fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of Black and Brown youth. To date, participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships offers as a direct result of contributions from State Farm. At Eating Wallbrook, we hear inspiring rags-to-riches stories on each episode from our guests, but with State Farm, you can begin to write your own success story. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're looking for the most epic place on Earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there... 
keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Every champion and carry champions to be a champion. A champion and carry champion. That girl, you did it. Got a champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment. Get naked with Hey, everybody. Thank you for fast forwarding past those commercials. We still have Shashir Zameda here on the podcast. She's an actress. She's a writer. She's a comedian. She has her own comedy special that she produced coming out in a, in a couple of weeks. So make sure you support it. But more importantly, listen to her as she talks about the writer's strike and the and the fact that it is really, truly disturbing what's happening for actors and writers in this moment in Hollywood and how you can support. You leave SNL. Um, I always think of that. I liken it to my time at ESPN. It definitely it was, for me, I describe it as hazing. Uh, for me, I describe it as the best job that I could ever have. It, it made me best. It made me great in all things. Yeah. It really did. Whether it was, you know, under fire or just because of it was lack of experience, I just learned so much. And I'm really, I always stay grateful for those experiences. But when I, when I left, I felt very free. Yeah. What was your... What was your revelation when you moved on from SNL? Oh, yeah. I also felt very, very free. And and yeah, and really felt like I'm just ready for the next thing. And I didn't have a plan. <laughs> I did, it's not like I left and I was like, all right, thank God I have this on the back burner. I just left and like jumped off a cliff and was like, I hope something catches me. But um, what I'm glad for is that SNL did propel me to a level where people could recognize me and and also recognize my talent. So it didn't take very long before other shows were like, oh, she's available. And then started casting me in things and doing indie movies. And yeah, it, it, it ended up being a great few years since I've been on that show. And yeah, am I... I'm doing well. <laughs> things are feeling really yes, good. Yes, you're doing okay. <laughs> you, can, you can pay for dinner. I we can pay again. for dinner, yes. <laughs> Can I get an appetizer? This is how I can determine you got you made it. Like, can we start well, with got can money. We do a start with? You got appetizer money. <laughs> <laughs> can we start with an appetizer? I had um Hassan Minhaj on my show. He goes, Look, hey, look, you want to go to Chipotle? I'm okay with guacamole. Like I'm feeling good about where I am in my career. <laughs> I will pay the extra and that's $3. how you determine. <laughs> yes, yeah, like that's how you're like, I'm I'm good. We can get guac if you want a side of this. Go ahead. Go ahead. It's on me. It's on me. <laughs> So you leave and you you feel this freedom 
and you have financial freedom. You're very rich. So I say there's guacamole for everyone. And then uh, you start doing all this different work and people have recognized you. You ultimately uh, get ready to have this podcast with your best friend. And I'm, I'm fast forwarding a few years, skipping TV shows and things of that nature. But what ultimately made you want to get into the podcast space? Ooh, um, well, I, I do it with Nicole Byer, and she's my best friend. And we've been friends mm-hmm. since we both started at UCB in two, 2009. And she's the only person that I can hang out with all day and still talk to at night. Like, like she's so easy to talk to. And like, there was a moment in time when we were both living in New York where we'd go to the same commercial auditions. We'd go to UCB, take a class or have a rehearsal, go eat something, go see a show, go do a show and then like part and then call each other on the phone when we're like back at home. Uh, And that's a rare thing. And so I think in general, people like our dynamic, we're good, like comedic foil for each other. And we wanted to do something where we could talk to each other all the time, like we always do. And our podcast is kind of a representation of our friendship. And it's really fun. And we talk about our friendship. We talk about friendship in general. People ask friendship questions that they like Mm. don't know how to deal with, which is fun because I feel like there's so many shows that deal with like uh, romantic relationships or parenthood or something, Uh but not a lot talking about like adult friendship and how valuable that is. And I'm glad people are listening and relating to it. I think best friends by definition is really become a very overused word. And the way you describe your relationship with Nicole is clear that she is your best yeah. friend. Do you feel, here's, I need this advice now. Do you feel that word is, I mean, bestie this, bestie that. I hear it all the time. Even when people call me their bestie, I'm like, I'm really not your bestie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But do you feel like that word is overused? It's like, yeah. It's, other people have different definitions of it. I only have a handful of friends. So when I say best friend, I mean best friend. And some, <laughs> some people say best friend about like, the waiter, which is actually what Nicole does. Nicole will say, oh, that's my best friend because they gave her a soda. And I'm like, wait, <laughs> the criteria has lowered. Why? <laughs> They're your best friend, too? What about me? <laughs> uh, uh-huh. <laughs> um, or I have a best friend who always call- is calling someone else her best friend on Instagram, and I feel a way about it. Of course. Do you guys say questions of how territorial best friends are? Yeah. Best friends are territorial. Like, it's I time am to territorial. Yes. Like, she was a bridesmaid in someone's wedding and I was like who is this who is this I don't know who this person is <laughs> you're that close all of a sudden when did they come into <laughs> all of a sudden all of a sudden never heard of this person yeah and you're in their wedding Mm-mm. yeah oh my god why do you think that is women have that and in, 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 women have that in spades I don't necessarily know if men have that mm-hmm. but why do you think that is I don't know I mean I think it's nice to feel like like part of a tribe or like part of like you belong to something or someone. So I don't know. It's nice to be like, well, we have this secret special relationship with each other. No one else has, which can still be true, even if they have other best friends. But something about hearing someone else's best friend exists. I don't it's like I want to I want to be territorial. This is mine. <laughs> she, she's mine. You don't know her like yeah, I know her. Have it. Please stop. <laughs> and we love each and other. We love each yeah, other. and we love each other. Yeah. Well, it reminds you remember, okay, did you, you obviously, please tell, I know you have seen Bridesmaids, right? Yes. Yeah, very okay. funny. Do you remember my favorite scene? Okay. 
It's legitimately that way. Yeah. Like I, I she, that's how women are in the scene. It's like, well, oh, well, let me remember that time when we were two. Remember we couldn't even speak and we were still speaking. Like yeah. you have to one up one other over and over again. So I love that you have that podcast and I'm definitely going to start listening because it's so, it's so near and dear to my heart. Uh, you also have a special yes. coming up. Congratulations. Tell me about Thank it. Thank you so much. Yeah, this is my second standup special and I'm so, so excited. It's the first one that I have produced and it's really exciting because I, I was very proud of my first special, Pizza Mind, um, but I did not have as much control as I would have wanted. Um, and what does that mean? That means I didn't really know anything about the budget. So like, you know, when we're spending money, like I was getting like yeses and nos for things, but didn't actually know why. So this time around, it's like, well, this is my money. So I know exactly where it's going. I can say how much <laughs> we're spending and why we're spending it. And that's that. Like, I am the one who's deciding those things. Um, and then as far as distribution, um, my special is on a lot of platforms, which is wonderful for viewership. But also, I didn't have a say as far as where it could go. And I don't like that. So now... Yeah. <laughs> So now I do and I, and I have full ownership of it. I get to have a say as to like who, where I can sell it to, where I can put it, how the audience can receive it. And, and I really like that feeling of being able to say, yeah, this is my work and I know exactly what's happening with it. Yeah, that's beautiful. And what can people expect? I, I'm curious. Like, without, You don't have to necessarily get into the details if you want, but we had Gina Yashir on the show and she was saying, and I'm pretty sure I pronounced her name incorrectly, but she was saying that for a while when she came from London here, she would shoot her own specials because that was the only way she could make money. And she was handing them out like mixtapes. She was like, hey, check this out and here's this. When you are doing it in a very... um. I don't want to say uh, get it out the you know gutter way uh, when you're doing it independently and you don't have an entity, a big entity backing you. What goes into creating your own special? I, I'm really, really curious because for those who are listening, the creatives who want to know, can they? And if they can, it is possible. Yeah, I mean, this is a. I feel like I'm coming from a privileged place because I am a person who has already been on TV. So I it wasn't yeah. hard for me to, like, find a producer who was willing to work with someone doing this independently. And like that person finds the DP and the director and like, you know, like I still had a producer working with me who was helping me out. I still had to pay them. But like if I was someone who was newer and coming up and like doing this really scrappy, I actually don't know <laughs> how, how that would look. Uh, <laughs> I did thankfully have help. Um, but yeah, I, I do feel like I had a really great team of people who understood what I was saying. And like uh, I had a friend who helped artistically design the set and uh, which wow. I, like I'm so excited about it. I, I wanted to bring like the outdoors indoors. So we have like a, a lot of nature elements to it. And um, yeah, it was just like really fun to be like, I don't know, I think I want this. And then people be like, all right, let's try to figure out how to make that. And then we do it. And wow, there was really no pushback ever. And and I really loved the process of being able to create something from the ground up. That's beautiful. And the, you, it's called The First Woman, yes. correct? Am I, is that correct? That is correct. Maybe that's where I got the first. 
<laughs> that's where I got the first one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, why that title? Yeah, maybe that's where it came from. Yeah. Where, why that title? Um, I liked the title of First Woman because this special is very woman heavy. I talk about I talk about myself throughout the whole thing, but I talk about my experiences as a woman, like learning my sexuality, um, my body, some health stuff, uh, women in general going through their own health stuff. And like there's some history stuff in there. And I feel like once you watch it, you'll have a better idea of why it's specifically the first woman. But I I, I really <laughs> just like the idea of like putting it out there like the first woman. This <laughs> is unabashedly a, a, a special for women and uh, and for everybody. Yeah. But like it's going to be women heavy and you're going to learn some stuff. And which, yeah, which is great. Yeah. So so how would you describe your comedy? My comedy is very personal. Are you in a it's like mm. I like uh, starting from a personal place, like maybe a story of something that happened to me or something that confuses me or angers me. And then I kind of just go from there and hope people can relate to it. But I'm not like I've never been an observational comic. I can't like really like observe society and like comment on it or or be political. I, I really am just like very inward and selfish, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I like just talking about myself. But, but so far it's worked. It's about me. It's about me. <laughs> yeah. And that's okay. Be unapologetic about that. But it has worked and people are interested. And why do you think people are interested? Obviously you're funny, but why is it, why is the combination of talking about me as opposed to other observational comedy um, working for you? I think people can relate to human stories. I think they, they, people want to feel connection and want to feel like they are being seen. And that can happen in multiple ways. I did a show in DC a couple of years ago where I was just talking about myself as usual. And afterwards, some guy came up to me pretty tipsy. And he was like, I just want to let you know, I voted for Trump. And I was like, this is a terrible way to start the conversation. <laughs> and, and he was like, yeah. <laughs> and he was like, but I totally like understood what you were saying. And I loved what you were saying. I never felt alienated as an audience member. I didn't feel unwelcome. And like, we are two very different types of people, but mm. I still like got a lot and laughed a lot at this show, which I love. And I, and it's not like I, try to do that with my comedy I'm never I'm not trying to be like we and we're all just one right like that's not even my style but I'm glad that he was able to hear what I was saying and relate because he was just like these are just funny stories and this is just a funny person and I even if I haven't exactly experienced what she's saying I still get it and that's really all I want all I want every champion and carry champions to be a champion a champion and carry champion and carry champion a champion and carry champion and carry champion greatest greatest in sports and entertainment connected with State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future building off the hard work our parents have done before us. We all are looking to create generational wealth so that our families and generations behind us have a better starting point than we did. That begins with financial literacy. 
State Farm helps fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of Black and Brown youth. To date, participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships offers as a direct result of contributions from State Farm. At Eating Wallbroke, we hear inspiring rags to riches stories on each episode from our guests, but with State Farm, you can begin to write your own success story. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots, being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Every champion and carry champions to be a champion. A champion and carry champion. They girl, you did it. Got a champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment. Get naked with Is your comedy therapy for you? Hmm. Therapy is therapy for me. <laughs> um, but my comedy, I guess it does feel a little therapeutic. Sometimes I am able to get some stories out that feel um like heavy or something that like I haven't been able to get out for years but um yeah it, it does feel like cathartic sometimes to get some of this energy out on stage and, and also just to have a connection because I it's like a symbiotic relationship like the audience mm-hmm. is getting something out of it but I'm also getting mm-hmm. something out of their reaction like I I like feeling like people can connect to me on a level of just me being raw and honest. Like, it's a really good feeling. It's a beautiful feeling. It's a f- beautiful feeling to know that someone is engaged and in, in, in maybe not even understanding, but perhaps uh, trying to mm-hmm. understand and, and feel as if there is something there that is special. And so how can everyone watch said comedy special? It's, uh, it's going to be on the 800 Pound Gorilla website. Um, which I think is just 800poundgorilla.com, August 15th. And it's going to be a pay-what-you-can model for two weeks. So if you want to contribute to the creation of the special, you can pay literally whatever you want, $2, $5, whatever. And then August 29th, it'll be completely free on YouTube. 
Oh, wow. That's great. On your page. It'll be on the... On your YouTube page. No, because my YouTube page doesn't really exist. But, <laughs> but it'll be on the 800-pound <laughs> gorilla YouTube page. But you can just type in, Sashir Zameda, the first woman, and it'll pop up. Yeah. Okay. Good. Okay. That's all you have to do, guys. We just said, make sure you do it that way. Um, I, I, I am definitely going to watch, but I love this idea. Okay. So maybe I'm just not familiar with it and I'm too old school. So you can pay whatever you want. I can literally log in and be like, girl, here's $2,000 and then they'll give it to me. Unlimited. If right? you, yeah. I yeah. So if you want to pay that much, you can, but don't, but, oh, but also don't. <laughs> I didn't want to say, <laughs> I, yeah, but I was, I didn't want to say like, I don't want to say like, $2. I'm encouraging people to give us some the money. We like the stuff that jingles, but we want the stuff that folds <laughs> We need more as well. appetizers. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> more appetizers for us. Um, I'm curious, and I know that we didn't get into many of your TV shows and the things that you've worked on in your films. Uh, talk to me about how the writers strike, the actors and the writers strike, because you do both. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how, in fact, um, is this affecting the work that you do meaning you're not working i guess I yeah yeah uh that. yes no work is happening <laughs> that part. yeah no work is happening um, that's it and that is nothing else. i'm really i'm confused mm-hmm. right because this is the first time ever it's ever happened from my understanding the writers and the actors have been on strike at the same time is that correct i feel like i i think i heard someone say in the 60s the actors and writers have stro- striked okay. but that's but that's a long time ago that was like that's decades ago yeah yeah. Um, so what is at what is at issue here? So there's a lot of issues with the residuals um, and how they are calculated. Like TV is consistently changing. Um, there was a time where we only had three channels on TV. Then we had cable. Then we had satellite. Then we had streaming. And I feel like the streaming boom was so fast. There wasn't language to help with the transition as far as like how to make contracts mm. for this kind of TV. Cause people weren't considering a TV for so long. They're like, it's kind of the internet. So is it, uh-huh. the, is it TV? Mm-hmm. Is it the internet? What is it? <laughs> um, so then studios started cutting corners and they're like, Oh, we can just hire people and just not try to figure out how to give them the same kind of residuals that they would get on TV. And so residuals are like, um, you write for a show or you shoot a show, you get paid for that job. And then every time that show airs or that episode airs or that movie airs, then you get paid again, a lesser amount, but like you get paid again for the work that you did. And so some people could sustain their lifestyle by like, you booked a a multi- cam sitcom on CBS and they had five seasons, you might not need to work that much after because you can pay your rent because you're still getting residuals because they keep airing the episodes. Now on streaming, there's no reruns. There's no like, it's now still playing over and over and over again. So the way they calculate residuals is much, much different and people are getting paid way less than they were getting paid when their show, shows were on TV. And that's for actors and writers. So trying to figure out a new way to um, appropriately pay <laughs> creators for that. And then there's also a new threat of like technology. And like there's now AI systems that can write full scripts <laughs> and also take our voice or our likeness and 
use them in other projects. So there needs to be some regulation on that before that becomes um, um, exploitative. We don't want, like, I don't want to sign off on something where you scan my likeness and my voice and you're able to use it in perpetuity on anything. Yeah, because then I'm not getting paid for that. So, yeah, there's just a lot of things that need to be rewritten, figured out, um, brought up because it was never an issue before. And there are studios who don't even want to bother talking about it because it's easier to just like hire people who 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 are fine <laughs> signing off on something and, and getting paid very little. So, yeah, we're on strike. We're hoping to get some sort of middle ground, not even a middle ground. We're hoping to get what we were, what we deserve. Um, and yeah, we will see what happens. Many more posted. This is how I get all my information. <laughs> Instagram kidding. Uh, but she did post a picture of one of her, um, streaming residual checks and it was since mm-hmm. it was since like it was in literally since less. And I was like, that's pretty disgusting. Right. Um, and when you say, um, there are no reruns on streaming. I'm like, yeah, it is. I can watch it all the time. That's a rerun to me. If I can go on and look up every day and see whomever I need to see, that to me is a rerun. And so I'm curious when you hear about deals being done on uh, HBO sold Insecure to Netflix, are the principal players and writers on that show getting paid to be on Netflix? All five seasons of the show? Because that was the five yeah. seasons. I don't know what the they're deal was, but paid? I don't think so. I don't think they're part of that. Wow. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. Well, that's just greedy. It's that's, and then very Where are we when you say it's so, it's, it's disgusting because it's like, why are you being so greedy? You have the money. Oh, yeah. I, I, I wonder. Yeah, you're like, they have plenty of it. Do you see an end in sight? Because if they are stuck on where they are stuck, there will be rea- more reality shows, I think. Yeah. You know, I think we'll see reality shows up the wazoo because we don't have to necessarily do- pay those people the same way. And it's reality TV. It's not script. It's not scripted. So where do you see this ending up? Yeah. Is this a long strike in your opinion or will there be a me- uh, will you guys be able to come to terms? I think I think the networks will start feeling the pressure because everything stopped so eventually audiences aren't going to get their favorite shows again and when audiences get mad the studios have to listen so i think eventually they're going to run out of time and be like oh okay oops (laughs) we didn't realize how valuable the artists were because they're the ones creating your product and i think eventually they do have to listen like fine we will make some allowances or like we'll figure something out because People can watch reality TV, but eventually people want to see the art again. I do think I do believe in the in the crowd and the audience loving the art that they've seen and wanting more and wanting new things. And so I, I, I don't think we'll be in a situation where. People are like, oh, I guess we're just done with scripted stuff and we're just watching reality stuff. People love people love seeing human stories. I, I hope that it all works out. I really do. I, I, 
I'm a member of SAG, but not really a member of SAG. So I too said that, I mean, I'm not an actress, but it, and it doesn't necessarily affect our world, but it does affect our world based on things that I want to see. I got shows I want to come back. Yeah. I want to see my shows. I want to be able to live the life that I want to live and be comfortable with streaming. Yeah. I think it's gross. I really do. I think it's disgusting. So I'm, I'm sending all the actors and writers so much love and hopefully there aren't too many people who are forced to, to lose their livelihood based on people just simply being selfish. Yeah, well, there's actually, um, um, there is an entertainment that, fund that people can yeah, don- donate to if they want to help support people who are striking. Because, oh. uh, you know, it's not just like the movie stars that you see who like have millions of dollars. It's like working actors who are <laughs> going like month to month or like crew members who aren't working now because their things are shut down. So um, you can go to the SAG website or the WGA, WGA website and there's a link to a fund that will help support people who need who are in desperate need of paying their rent while they're striking if people want to contribute to oh and they send and they send it to those people yeah. and they give them the money they send them the money mm-hmm. oh that's great yeah oh that's great okay good to know and you said it's wga it's the website and it's an entertainment fund yes i can't remember the okay, exact good. name but yes good. i air, love that yeah some some entertainment fund Sasha, don't send me don't send me to a scam. Don't send me to a fund me and nobody come here. I want to help somebody pay a rent, a, a water bill or two. Water just bill in L.A. is expensive. Uh, do you live in L.A. primarily? <laughs> I do. Live- <laughs> just go to my website and donate whatever. <laughs> and I'll make sure they get it all. Um, I think I, I thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I do want to say that, uh, again, the first woman, we can go to the 800-pound gorilla website and watch. First two weeks, August 15th, it is a donate as you, as you wish. And then after that, it'll be on the YouTube page and everyone can watch it. I want everyone to support you. Um, and I look forward to having you back on where we can talk about all your TV projects when the strike Yes, is. please. I would love that. Yes. I would love it too. Thank you so much for joining Thank us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right, guys. So we have to really support Shashir. That, that, that's a huge, huge undertaking. She produced her very own comedy special. These are her dollars. These are her visions. These are her friends helping her put it all together. So again, we can go to 800poundgorillamedia.com and donate anything you like for the first two weeks beginning August 15th. And then after that, you can check it out on the YouTube page. Um, Shashir is really something special. Uh, I love when I see us, our folks, Black people, working in a space that traditionally isn't ours. Because once we get inside of that space, we take over and we make it our own. And that's exactly what she's been able to do. So again, go out and support her. She dropped some gems and gave us some tips. We thank you, Shashir, for being on the podcast today. And of course, we'll see you guys next week. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.